It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Uh, <laughs> oh, she didn't take the job. <laughs> She turned it down. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry, this Nicole Hannah-Jones story, it just keeps getting better. Um, She turned down the gig. All right, welcome to the program. Glad you are here. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks to the sponsors of the show today, MattressManStores.com, MattressManStores. Also, patrons of the program like Joseph and Dan and John, Robbie and Janet, Sarah and Frank, Karen, Manuel, Jeff and Nicole, Chris, Jim, and EZ. They all became patrons of the show. You can as well. Just go to thepetecalendarshow.com. So, um, (laughs) after demanding tenure at UNC for a position that pays $180,000 a year, it's basically part-time because she's going to keep her job working for New York Times Magazine, Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones demanded the tenure got the tenure after all of the protesting and everybody was like she de- she deserves tenure she got the tenure and then she's like i'm not taking your job <laughs> i'm not gonna do it i'm gonna go to another school which you know they've been talking about obviously now for a while look i am not unsympathetic to the way uh you know people uh their lives get sort of uh turned upside down in the midst of a hiring process look i've worked in radio for 20 years this is this is par for the course uh it's not so much i don't think with um with professors and such but it is also yet another piece of evidence as to why so many people that work in higher education in academia uh they uh they really are divorced from reality on a lot of this stuff. They really are. There are a lot of people that go through this stuff. I mean, like people end up, there are stories that I know of people who have essentially been rendered homeless because of, uh, uh, you know, jobs that said, Hey, yeah, come on to town. And didn't have, okay, real quick. I'll tell you this really quick, uh, story. I worked at a radio station years ago, tiny station. They recruited some guy from like out in, I want to say Seattle or something. They brought him in and his whole family was still back there. They were selling the house and he was living in a room upstairs above the radio station. And he uh, sat in with the station owner who was doing the morning show. And, you know, he's learning the ropes and all this stuff. And this guy had been in radio. I was brand new. Like I was just young in the biz for like the first year or something. I was learning the ropes and um, they printed up T-shirts. They bought this guy a computer. They did all of this stuff to make his morning show launch successful. And then the very first day, he cracks open the microphone, and he, one of the uh, items on the uh, on the um, uh, the morning show agenda is always uh, the school lunch menu. They would read the school lunch menu every morning, so everybody knew what the kiddies would be eating. And it was right after the uh, the obituaries, and so they do the the kids' lunch menu. And uh, when the the guy opens the mic up and, on his first day, and he says, "Yeah, let's take a look at what the little." fatherless children let's say but he didn't say that he said the b word he said let's get a look at what the little babies are eating today and that was his last day (laughs) 
<laughs> he did not work at the station after that. And his family back in Seattle, I think it was, they had sold the house. Like all of this. They were in the process of moving. He drove all the way across country, was living out of a sleeping bag and suitcase upstairs. Yeah. So again, uh, I, I fully recognize I might not be the most sympathetic person to tell these tales of woe to. I didn't get a $180,000 a year job guaranteed for life. So um, that's what she was offered. But she wasn't offered it first. She wasn't offered it initially. And so she doesn't want it now. First, she makes them do the vote, demands that they do it, and then says, I don't want your offer. So uh, she says uh, in a tweet afterwards, this is Nicole Hannah-Jones, by the way, for folks who don't know, she was a reporter in North Carolina, went to UNC for her master's. Before that, I think she was a Notre Dame grad. And um, she then went on to like the New York Times and uh, did the 1619 Project, which is riddled with inaccuracies and they were told about these inaccuracies and they did not correct them and then when people criticized them she uh, did not handle the criticism well she tried to you know essentially cancel co-workers get them in trouble get them fired you know plays the race card and the and the gender card at any sign of critique about her work which was not accurate there were things that, the thing that won the Pulitzer Prize was not accurate so people are like, oh, she's got a Pulitzer. Like, I don't give a flying fig about the Pulitzer anymore. I used to have some respect for it, just like the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't care anymore. You guys have debased and degraded the awards. So I don't care. That's what happens. They're not as prestigious any longer. Because you gave them to somebody who lied, who made up stuff. And, and it didn't matter to you. And if you're, I mean, it's fine if you want to give it for like fiction writing, but you gave it for journalism. You don't get to practice journalism and include lies in there when you're told these things are not true and you publish them anyway. Anyway, um, oh, and the, there's also, you know, concerns that people have about, and I've gone over this before in the past, the concerns that people have about her, uh, not just the shoddy work that she did on the uh, the essay, and that's just the essay, the thing that she's most famous for, uh, but also, you know, her racist screeds that uh, she wrote a long time ago, where she called uh, white people barbaric devils, no different than Hitler, um, that sort of stuff, and could be her dishonesty about, you know, stealth editing things that were not true to then correct them without, you know, divulging that. I mean, that sort of stuff, I think, matters when you're trying to promote this idea that you are a journalist and you're looking at journalism in a different way now because she is and i've gone over this before you can pull the other podcasts about it um she's looking at journalism in a different way than the you know quote objective journalism kind of standard and uh this is look if you're going to be a um, an activist as a journalist, if you're going to adopt a position, if you're going to adopt political activism as part of the tenets of journalism, then you don't get to complain when people object to your politics. But she does. She complains because, you know, that's what everybody does now. So she complains. How dare they inject politics into this? Like you're making it political, though. You were the one who made it all political. And so they are now responding and then she calls them racists the person who called white people devils has some thoughts about who are the racists now um she sent out a tweet that said the story about the discrimination i faced in the unc tenure debacle was broken by excellent local reporter joe killian at policy watch 
NC Policy Watch. This is the House organ for leftist organizations in North Carolina. They were literally the people that were the mouthpiece for Blueprint NC that was designed to target the Republican Party after they had taken control of the state government for the first time in over a century in the 2010 elections. I feel the need to point this out under maps drawn by Democrats. Republicans win control and the Democrats create Blueprint NC NC Policy Watch is part of the NC Justice Center. NC Justice Center housed Blueprint NC. So this is who she calls. Uh, I gave uh, this this reporter, Joe Killian, now works there. I gave him the exclusive print interview, Local News Matters. This is propaganda. See, this is what I mean, right? If you're going to play the partisan, you don't get to pretend that you're not playing the partisan. You are. She is. Here we have it. She says, local news matters. Please support NC Policy Watch and other local news. It's not local news. It's not local news. It's a. It's the uh, the PR firm for NC the NC Justice Center, which is a left-wing organization. But I do like this. The exclusive print interview, because she had already done an interview. <laughs> She already did one. She talked to Gail King on, uh, what is it, CBS This Morning? Yeah, with Gail King. Here she here she is. We just heard the vote was 9 to 4, offering, offering you the tenure. What have you decided? Well, I've decided to decline the offer of tenure. I will not be teaching on the faculty of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. It's a very difficult decision, not a decision I wanted to make. Uh, and instead, I'm going to be uh, the inaugural night chair in race and journalism at Howard University. So many things to unpack there. First, let's start with you declining the offer. The vote was nine to four, clearly in your favor. There are some people that could say, you said you wouldn't take the job without being offered tenure. They offered you the tenure and you're still saying, thanks, but no. Absolutely. Because? Well, because look what it took to get tenure. So this was a position that since the 1980s came with tenure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The night chairs are designed for professional journalists who have been working in the field to come into academia. And every other chair before me, who also happened to be white, received that position with tenure. All right, so this is a perfect example of what race essentialism is all about, okay? So you have all of these previous people that got this same position, and they were all given tenure. Now, who were they? She doesn't say. But the only thing that matters to her is that they were white. That's it. Is there anybody else who had, I don't know, accusations of... Uh, you know, dishonesty and journalistic malpractice that got the gig? Anybody like that? Controversy, you know, was controversy surrounding any of these other appointments? I've never heard of any of these other people that have ever held that position. So I would submit probably not. She's the highest profile, but also the most controversial. And she can deny that the controversy is well earned, but it doesn't negate the fact that she is. And so instead of looking at the controversy, instead of looking at all the factors at play, she looks at one factor, and it's race. And that's it. Now, one factor you should always look at when you are in the uh, market for a new mattress, obviously price, and uh, obviously comfort, and how you choose to squeeze that balloon, you know, which way you want to go. You don't have to decide, actually, because at Mattress Man, you can get both, right? People think, oh, if I'm going to sacrifice comfort for price, you don't have to. Go to Mattress Man. They also have uh, their July 4th sale. It's extended. So you can head on over to mattressmanstores.com, check out the inventory, and pick up a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore Collection mattress. 
top quality, maximum adjustability, five support zones. Uh, these are made by Restonic, and Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of this Biltmore collection. Also, you can get great financing options. Just go to the website, mattressmanstores.com, click the financing link. You can actually apply and get pre-approved uh, right now. Five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping, and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden. Locally owned and operated, mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. Joining me now is Congressman Dan Bishop from North Carolina's 9th District, and he is a former UNC, uh, well, I guess he's a, an alum, not a former alum, but also a former state lawmaker as well. So kind of coming at this story from a bunch of different angles. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Pete. Glad to be with you. So uh, I guess I'll start with sort of your overall thoughts about the way all of this transpired. Were you surprised by any of it? Uh, overall thoughts. We'll start there. I was a little bit late to the game. I came to the story, gosh, uh, it may have been June, I, it, but it was about the time that I, I don't know if the decision had been made not to grant tenure or the delay in that, but it came, someone made, made the point to me that this Hannah Nicole Jones, who had been the lead author of the infamous New York Times 1619 project, had been offered this endowed professorship at the journalism school at Carolina. I was stunned to, to hear about it, and I followed it pretty closely since then. And so you uh, you mentioned the 1619 Project. You're aware then of, uh, of why she's sort of a controversial figure. Were you opposed to her getting – initially it was just – right, it was just offered as the um, – as a five-year gig, it was a tenured track. She'd be considered for it down the road or something. But uh, that was the initial report, right, that she had been offered the gig, but it wasn't tenured. And so that then prompted all of the, you know, accusations that she should have been offered tenure. And then obviously politics must be the reason why. So do you think that she should have been given even the five-year gig? No, I, and and I, only, I only knew that that was the issue when I first took notice of the story. And I thought that was outrageous. And, and you, you, I think in one of your tweets, Pete, you said she's a fabulist, and that's a great description. But one of the other things I've taken an interest in, and I think we have responsibility to respond to, is this dawning or, or uh, you know, ubiquitous critical race theory or whatever terminology you want to call it, where you have this kind of highly divisive, controversial antagonism being uh, practiced or, or inculcated among even K through 12 school children in which you, people have white privilege or, and the whites are oppressors of blacks and you, and you teach each child to, sort of resent and and uh, regard the other as an oppressor or oppressed. It's just a bunch of garbage. But the 1619 Project is wedded into that. Hannah Nicole Jones is an exponent of that philosophy. And the, the idea that she, she was being awarded a professorship at the School of Journalism was shocking standing alone. And then when I took a couple of steps and looked into it, it was still more shocking. How so? Well... It, it, you know, I had, uh, believe it or not, Pete, when I was a sophomore in college at UNC, 
uh, I was for a time a journalism major. I did not know that. Oh my god! Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was. I took basic news writing, and uh, I was going to be a journalist. But I didn't remember there being something called the Hussman School of Journalism. Right. And and when I started looking into the, uh, just doing a little bit of research, pulling up the website of the School of Journalism, saw it was called for called Hussman. I had to be reminded who Hussman is. Walter Hussman, uh, longstanding journalist, newsman. I think he's a liberal, but he is not. Uh, he had been. In, he is okay, not. No. Well, yeah. And that's one of the beefs here as well. That's because now there's this belief out there that all the conservatives are the reason why she got denied the tenure. But as far as I can figure out, it's basically just Hussman. And he leaned on the chancellor and, you know, some board of trustees or board of governors members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing about what I first learned. So if Hussman's not a liberal, I, I not a hundred percent sure he's he's a rabid rock ribbed conservative. But but you you know I leave that to one side. What I learned in looking at their website and digging in a little bit is that the School of Journalism had been named for him in conjunction with the twenty five million dollar gift he gave maybe in twenty nineteen something like just a couple of years ago. Right. But here's the point: they articulate this statement of core values. They embraced as core values, and this was done at Hussman's suggestion at the time he offered that pledge, but the core values are to impartiality, credibility, and the pursuit of truth. Of truth. That, that those, those three core values are at the heart of, of, of good journalism. And if you go back and look into Hussman, he's been, he's been advocating for that very broadly in his profession. But the School of Journalism had embraced those, and what what I say makes that outrageous is not that they endorsed, uh, adopted those core values at the School of Journalism. I'm glad they did. But Hannah Nicole Jones is a walking repudiation of, of those core values. She is, uh, she believes, and she will tell, she says this, that journalists should not be impartial, but should be activists. She believes that should be, they should be activists for social justice. She also is a person who believes there is no such thing as objective truth. So she can say anything she wants to in support of her activism. She doesn't feel that a journalist should be bound to facts. So it, it makes a hash, it makes a mockery of the idea of the core values of impartiality, credibility, and the pursuit of truth. And, and from what I understand is when Hussman spoke to this last November or something, been a long time when this idea apparently was going around, he very gently suggested that she would not be a good representative of those core values. And, and I find that that's an inarguable point. He's exactly right. Right. But, so, yeah, there's a couple points there. Number one, this is a fight inside of sort of the journalism industry. Um, you know, do you do you attempt to be, you know, you know, completely objective? And I look and I'm actually more sympathetic to some of the arguments that Jones makes, because um, I don't believe you can divorce yourself from your biases, your opinions. I mean, how do you judge uh, what is a news story? What's newsworthy? Right. Well, yeah, that's a subjective kind of a decision. Like how like what what inputs are you are, are you uh, factoring in there? Is it how many people are involved? Like this was one of the arguments I used to make, you know, school board meetings are more important than the three legged puppy because school board meetings affect hundreds of thousands of people. Like that's that's my bias, though. So is that, 
Yeah, like so it, 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 that's the subjectivity that I'm bringing, but I think it's defensible, right? I, sure. It, well, it, look, I think there are pieces of it that are defensible. I do think that I've watched media for years take on a pretense or, uh, of objectivity, sort of a patina mm-hmm. of neutrality, but they're not. They're, 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 they've got a bias. I think it's it would be more appropriate to acknowledge your biases. I don't necessarily have a categorical view of that. I do find it odd, this contradiction that I've described in terms of what the J School said its core values are versus what Hannah Nicole Jones does. But even if you take the position, people should acknowledge what, what perspective they come from, be clear about that, advocate that point. But I'm not sure that anybody can make a sound case from saying that there is no such thing as fact or that you're or that there's no objective truth uh, in terms of facts there certainly is and what they did in the 1619 project at the under the authorship of Hannah Nicole Jones was lie that the very core notion that they advanced in that project for what it was named was that the American Revolution well, that the American founding doesn't trace to 1776, the Declaration of Independence and the ideal stated there, but instead to the introduction of West African slavery to the United States in 1619, and that, uh, and that in fact, the revolution when it came was motivated primarily, they said, out of uh, a fear that Britain was going to interfere with slavery in the colonies. Mm-hmm. Well, historians came out, and I'm sure you've covered this in other, pod- other podcasts, and said, that's false. Right. And ultimately, the New York Times, in their very begrudging <laughs> and uh, ridiculous way, made adjustments uh, to the story to or to clarify that that wasn't, in fact, true, that, that, that it was not a major it was not any kind of a significant motivation for the American Revolution. Well, and then when asked about it, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones denied that she ever said that that was the premise of the project despite all of the evidence that exists of her doing exactly that. Um, And so, like, there are there are, I think, legitimate concerns and questions about the body of work that she presented. Uh, Yes, she's got all the awards and everything. But when you present, yeah, when you present yourself as one who, as you mentioned, you just ran them down, like uh, who will engage in that kind of behavior, then, yes, you should expect people to question whether or not you are worthy of the tenure track. Um, all right, so hang on. My guest is uh, uh, North Carolina's 9th Congressional District, uh, Congressman Dan Bishop. Uh, more with him in a moment. First, if you are looking for some equipment for a big project, small project, maybe your general contractor, you don't want to go out and buy a piece of equipment that you're only going to use once, maybe twice a year, well, then you need to get over to uh, General Equipment Rental. In Weaverville, they're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. Uh, They know all of this equipment, big and small scaffolding and earth movers and pressure washers and tillers, all of it. Uh, They also are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. And so they got all sorts of outdoor equipment like chainsaws and trimmers and hedge clippers and uh, blowers, uh, gas powered, battery power, all of it. So head on over there, whether you are renting, whether you are buying, go where I went, go where I go, General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com, that's the website, generalrents.com, in Weaverville, and think outside your toolbox. Uh, so Congressman Bishop, 
also a UNC alum and a former state lawmaker. So you actually have some different uh, you have some different insight, I think, from all of these different perspectives. Right. You see this from a couple different angles, which I thought this was kind of interesting, the political nature of the process she's complaining about now. And my position on this is simply that she's she is a political activist. She is engaged in. Uh, engaged in politics and so she cannot now complain that uh other people are pushing back at that political level what's your take yeah oh absolutely so as you say uh, i'm an alum of carolina twice i went to undergrad and law school there graduated in 86 first time 90 the second time uh, when i entered the school in 1982 it was not a rock rib conservative place. <laughs> it was a left. It was a leftist place then. It's always been leftist. It's now like the rest of academe. I think it's whoa way out there left. Uh, but but for the it's interesting. Today's left always accuses others of what they do. So what you're hearing now, some of what you hear is that this is politicized. <laughs> it was politicized. Well, uh, they are. The, the faculty is uniformly leftist. The tenured faculty think that uh, the university is their personal fiefdom, that they should be the ones that make the decisions, and their decisions are freighted with politics, uh, unbelievably so. So, and 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 you 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 might beg the question there: on what basis do they? It's it's the ultimate union shop, okay? Mm -hmm. But but on what basis? Do they hold fast and do does all media, uh, McClatchy reporting on it and so forth, report dutifully their view that uh, that there should not be any in, uh, political influences, they say, but they, they want to make politicized decisions and they want to ultimate, they want to run the university completely in all decisions like this, but they don't believe anybody else should, should say, well, on what basis do they claim that right? And it's almost like they, no one there knows what the North Carolina state constitution says about the university. But if you go look at it, it says that the General Assembly will, by law, manage the university and that it will provide for a board of trustees and vest the board of trustees with uh, – they have different language, endowments, uh, privileges, mm -hmm. things like that. But they, they mean the, the controlling power, the power to oversee the day-to-day – or, 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 you know, regular operations of the university. Well, and people can take different views about what that means, but look, the only governance of the university that is provided for in our most organic law is for the General Assembly, the elected representatives of the people to oversee the university. There's, it's, there's, never, been, there's never been a basis for that power to be turned over to the woke on campus. But you can see what happens when you when when that when that occurs. Here it is a liberal self-own. Okay, I mean now that Hannah Nicole Jones, the the trustees <laughs> yeah. caved in, the the liberal the Chapel Hill liberals caved in and and offered the tenure that she's been complaining about uh, not being uh, offered. She's now said, okay, I'm not coming there at all. So she, her, Hannah Nicole Jones's brand is controversy, and she delivered. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that you can say about it at this point, I think, is that um, the the faculty and the and the liberals who are in the, the weak need trustees and chancellor at UNC um, sort of got what they deserved, and they 
in yet another example, and there's been a lot of them lately, demonstrated that their uh, judgment in, in managing the university is disastrously bad. So uh, Thomas Mills, uh, I don't know if you know who he is. He writes uh, politics. You know who he is, I guess. There, there you go. Uh, Politics NC. And um, he tweeted uh, at me uh, earlier today because I said, you know, I know a lot of people are rending garments over a a, a fabulous not taking a lifetime guaranteed $180,000 a year job. Um, But there are a lot of people who think this is a very good thing. But there's this sort of built-in assumption across the board in media everywhere that, like, she should have gotten tenure. Of course she should have. It's not even a point of contention for them. And so they can't even fathom that some people would look at this outcome and say, cool, we're okay with this. So I just helpfully pointed that out because I'm a giver. And so I give that to them like, hey, you might want to be aware that there are other people with different ideas. And he says... Well, this is the conservative mindset in a nutshell. The Polk, Peabody, Pulitzer, MacArthur, Knight, and a dozen other foundations and organizations were all duped by Hannah Jones. And that's not the argument well, at all. They got exactly like you just said. They got what they wanted. Right. Absolutely. This was, right, Like uh, uh, Howard University, they, they've got now what they wanted. Everybody has gotten what they wanted. Well, maybe except for the faculty at UNC. But um, the people who wanted her not to be hired, they got what they wanted. Um, And also, uh, this is uh, she's not duping anybody. People knew what she's about. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. Thomas Mills, the implied or the straw man argument that you say that all these uh, the Pulitzer, uh, Peabody, all these organizations. Yeah, the awards. Those people were duped. No, I wouldn't say that at all. They're all woke. They're, they're all on board with the new journalism, the, the idea that Hannah Nicole Jones advances. They think it's fantastic. They don't care that uh, leftist uh, historians right. uh, emerge <laughs> to say uh, that what she wrote, that the, that the core concepts in the 1619 Project were historically fallacious. They were wrong. They didn't care. They thought it was fantastic. They gave her a Pulitzer for it. But it's not that they are duped, it's that they have, uh, they join her and the rest of the uh, woke left in in embracing completely different values. And the fact that they embrace those values, Thomas Mills's implication is that everybody else has to embrace them as well. And if you take pains to say, if you're Walter Hussman and you said, actually, I still like credibility, truth, and impartiality. Well, then you're a racist, Walter mm-hmm. Hussman. That's the answer. You're a racist, and uh, and and you're you know at at, work, at at best you're politicized. But we're not. That's their view. It's abs- it's absurd. So, in a piece by uh, Joe Killian at NC Policy Watch, which uh, Nicole Hannah Jones held up as a paragon of virtue for local news, which is news for anybody who follows North Carolina politics. Um, But he wrote, the fact that such a fierce fight was necessary for her to be offered what was automatic for previous night chair professors, all of whom were white, showed that she needed to go somewhere else. And once again, embedded in all of these descriptions and uh, the telling of the tale, it's always embedded that that this is about her race and or her gender. And there's never any kind of 
attention paid to the body of work. It is it is always the same. It is racial essentialism. It's just distilled down. It's like, oh, the only thing is that it's her race. Like, well, wait a minute. Why would you ignore all of the actual stuff? And again, in their mind, it's like, well, she won awards for it. So it can't possibly be bad. (laughs) That's exactly the argument. And it is utterly bankrupt. Uh, And and I'll tell you, Pete, that that, you know, I've taken a stand on critical race theory. I think the term you just used, it, it may be a better one. Race essentialism, where racial conflict is driven into everything that that is the the uh, you know this 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 uh, new ideology the reason i've spoken out about it and the re- and, and filed and proposed legislation in congress to prevent federal funds from being used to practice it or advance it or force it down people's throats is i think uh there is a you know that there are many out there who are who are fearful because of the Thomas Mills or the other person that North Carolina Policy Watch who will do the that run the same play they always run call whoever criticizes or whoever uh, objects to her to Nicole Hannah uh, Hannah Jones's uh, or Han, what is her name Yeah, yeah. Nicole yeah. Hannah Jones I know I yeah, messed it you. up I too it, confused. Yeah, uh, I've done it before I've messed up her name before but whoever would object to her appointment must be a racist this goes. They're not. She did got treated differently than a white appointee. Well, she never should have gotten the appointment. That one slipped through on the unilateral decision of a of the journalism school dean. You know, the same one who took uh, Walter Hussman's donation and embraced these core values that are then repudiated by this act. Um, if, but when it got to the question of of a tenure, that's when that by then the controversy had gotten launched. But it's got nothing to do with race. It's about that. The, the the controversy over the 1619 project and the values that have been embraced and the degree to which they have they bear no resemblance to the values the university the journalism school said that are are, are at its core so you mentioned uh, Hussman again, so I want to ask, uh, kind of explore one other uh, point here. My guest is uh, North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop, and uh, more with him in a moment. First, if you are looking at the roof and you're thinking, you know what, I see some shingles that are kind of out of alignment. They look like they're slipping, or maybe it's gotten worse than that. Maybe it's uh, leaking while it rains. Like, that's a good sign you need a new roof. But Maybe you don't need a new roof. Maybe you just need some repairs. And maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. Call my friends at Balkan Roofing. They will come out. They'll take a look at your roof. And they'll let you know what's going on. Maybe it is just a couple of shingles that got lifted up in the uh, the straight line winds that we get, like, all the time in the mountains. Um, And maybe that they could just, you know, go in, make a couple of spot repairs, and you're done. Um, Or maybe you do need a new roof. And if you do need a new roof, then you can get one for as low as $69 a month. And look, they understand people swing on by Tommy tank top, chucking a truck and they're like, hey, I can put a roof on, you know, and they charge you like pennies. And then you're like, I got a roof. I got a great deal on a roof. And uh, you're going to need their number for Balkan Roofing because they've got a really great repair team. (laughs) And uh, a lot of people use them after they got suckered by chucking a truck. So uh, here's the number 828-628-0390. That's 628 0390. Their website is balkanroofing.com. That's B A L K E N roofing, balkanroofing.com. Protect the thing that protects the biggest investment most of us will ever make your house, right? 
You got to protect everything that's in it, everyone that's in it. The roof does that. Give them a call. Tell them you heard it here on the show. I appreciate that. Free estimates from Balkan Roofing, 628-0390 and BalkanRoofing.com. So we're talking with Congressman Dan Bishop uh, from North Carolina's 9th Congressional District, also a UNC alum, and he's a former state lawmaker in both the House and the Senate, I would uh, point out here. So um, Walter Hussman, he's a mega donor. They keep calling him a mega donor, right? $25 million to put his name on the school. It's always been, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just a cynic or something, but it's always been my understanding that people give boatloads of money like that to have their name put on the side of the building, true enough, but they also expect a certain something in return. <laughs> There's always, they, they whether it's influence, invitations to parties or something, like they expect to be held up in some sort of rarefied atmosphere in the uh, you know in that environment of uh, higher education am I completely off base on that I did not go to UNC I just got a I just got a bachelor's and that was it so I don't know how all of that works is is this really like am I just too cynical or is that do they really think that there's something that that they get for that kind of donation you know Pete it's interesting in this particular case this uh, husband fellow, I'm not sure whether the husband refers to himself or perhaps a, a father, his father, who was also in journalism, mm. I think. Uh, I'm not sure, there, it, it, but is, there, is it pure altruism? Maybe not. But, you know, it is interesting that what was important to him in making the large donation uh, and in conjunction with conferring his name upon the school was these was the adoption of core values. And those values uh, are something that most Americans would have uh, routinely accepted as good not too not too long ago. So if he's, I mean, if he just wants his name on the building, he would do that. If he just wants to influence, uh, maybe he'd exercise it. But his the nature of the influence he sought to exercise seems to be kind of positive. But here's the thing that's interesting. I saw a tweet in the course of the controversy by some faculty member, can't remember, recall now the name, but he said that he made the comment that those those that Hussman's core values have no sway or they have no uh, control at the at the journalism school. Yeah. Which begs this question. And, and and the dean's decision to repudiate them by making this uh, offering this professorship to Hannah Nicole Jones. It does raise the question, why did they agree to the core values in the first place? Did they do it just to take his twenty five million dollars? Right. And right. did they meet? Was it was it a cynical lie? Uh, yeah, like I saw that? somebody but, said something like, "Well, you know, that's just some stuff at the front of the building or whatever." Like, <laughs> like the yeah, like they were going to like have this stuff chiseled into a rock, and like, well, that's just an engraving in a rock. Who cares? Like, well, but it, it's not just the it's not just the physical rock with the engraving. It's it's what the words say. It's what they mean. Sure, and what you're saying when you say you embrace them, the school says that the school embraces them as its core values. You would assume they mean that, and so when you you know so the the leftists on campus, the faculty, maybe even including the dean, uh, I can't remember what her name was, Susan somebody, King, Susan uh, King, yeah, I think King, it is yeah. right, yeah, Susan King, and she criticizes his uh, you know uh, making contact and and offering a comment about that prospective hire, but 
is it he is he the wrongdoer is he the is the mega donor the bad guy here <laughs> right. or is it the dean of the journalism school who was delighted to adopt core values as long as they meant nothing and took the money for it and then uh, you know, denied uh, that it was anything had anything to do with it. You're right, but also she's apparently the one that told Hussman that they were in talks to bring uh, Nicole Hannah Jones to the faculty, and that's what prompted him to make these inquiries with all these other people. So, and if he's exerting this influence and that's inappropriate, then should he not have ever been included? In that conversation, how did he find out who told him, like, if it's not appropriate for him to weigh in, then why are you telling him in the first place? <laughs> yeah, she didn't call me to tell me. No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. uh, implicitly, she must have thought that that was something that was appropriate to do with that donor. Uh, but again, it, the her actions are louder than her words. And uh, and what she really she may have. Uh, postured by sharing that news with him, but she didn't actually expect for him to react. And when he pointed out that it was sort of made a mockery of these, of these agreed core values, uh, she's very reticent. You know, she, she immediately goes to the point of saying, well, those core values mean nothing in effect. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, so I think that again, it's, it's a total self-owned, uh, the the uh, woke leftists have 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 uh, made fools of the of the Chapel Hill leftists and uh, and they get sort of what they deserve. But it's it, it really it, it really it's a when uh, you know weak need trustees capitulated and offered tenure and then she repudiated them or rejected them, embarrassed them by going elsewhere and rejecting the offer entirely. Uh, it's just it, you bar you got exactly what you bargained for if uh, it, when you go out to to uh, bring somebody on campus who stands for and seeks to inculcate controversy with everything she does. And the result is more damage to the reputation of the university. Now, I, I, I would point out that the, at least the taxpayers were never on the hook for her salary. I did appreciate that, right? It was a private foundation doing that. Um, so I'm, I'm fine there. But I also think it's interesting that uh, this job at Howard University that she's now got uh, landed at, that didn't just happen when, you know, today or yesterday. They've obviously been in talks with her for a while. And... Um, I'm just kind of curious as to how long of a process that was and uh, how 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 long was she operating in bad faith, you know, knowing that this is what she was going to do and just pushing and pushing to get the tenure vote just so she could spike it back in their faces. Um, you know, and, and that doesn't make any kind of real you know impact on uh, on any kind of legal case. But I do think it speaks to the ethics of the person involved. If they're looking for sort of a vengeance play, that would be it against the entire university uh, and the system. Although she did list some demands she wants the school to do if they want to, uh, if they want to, uh, what did she say, make amends or something. She wants there to be uh, essentially a uh, taking over of the Board of Governors by faculty. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And to have uh, faculty governance and academic freedom at the institution is what she's demanding. So uh, anything else you want to add here that you think is important or interesting that we didn't cover already? You know, I, uh, maybe Ibrahim, Ibram Kendi's uh, Department of Anti-Racism could wipe the part of the North Carolina Constitution out that says the General Assembly <laughs> oversees the management of the university. 
that probably maybe that would work. But she, she look, um, I, I, and I beg to disagree with uh, with Pulitzer and uh, uh, the other uh, woke award granting institutions uh, that consider her to be a paragon of of uh, of credibility and virtue. I I, I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, that she's had her plans to go elsewhere all along or for a significant portion of the controversy. And she has just used the opportunity to do what she does best, mm. which is to drive controversy, uh, create racial tension and, uh, and, um, um, you know, leave bad feelings all around. And boy, she did that very well. Congressman Dan Bishop, thanks for your time. As always, I appreciate it. Great to be with you, Pete. Take care. Now, here's somebody else that it was great to be with. Uh, it was Rowena Patton the other day because we were uh, there to close our house. Yeah, we, we we did our house closing. We are the homeowners now, and Rowena Patton and her All-Star Powerhouse team helped make that happen for us. Uh, and they can help you as well, buying or selling. Call Rowena Patton, 828-333-4483. That's the phone number. If you are trying to sell a house, she outsells 99% of the realtors in the entire state. Okay. She's also the official Homes for Heroes Realtor, uh, which is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the Realtor Commissions. Uh, it's open to police officers, firefighters, military, um, healthcare professionals, educators. So give her a call. Keep more of your own money. Sadly, uh, Homes for Heroes not available for podcasters. I'm not sure why. 828 828- Three 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 forty four eighty three. That's eight two eight three 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 forty four eighty three. Give her a call and then start packing. State Senator Jay Chaudhary uh, from Wake County, Democrat. Um, he went to the Twitter machine after all of this uh, went down yesterday and said that this entire episode uh, regarding her tenure process reflects a UNC Board of Governors that's become both overtly political and lacks diversity. I've said our board is akin to partisan gerrymandering the university system. See, Democrats, when they were in control of the um, university system, the board of trustees, the board of governors, like all of these, and, and you know, in the uh, the halls of higher education as well, like when they were in charge of all this for the last century and a half, you didn't hear any of these concerns. They didn't care about lack of diversity. They didn't care about politics. I've told this story before, like that we have a family member in our family who the only way he could get a job in state government in raleigh was to sign up as a democrat so don't tell me that all of a sudden things are all political you guys have two sets of standards one for when you're in power and one for when you're not and when you're in power you guys behave differently all of a sudden politics is all fine and good and when you're out of power then you make these you know uh these appeals to higher ideals and can't we just be beyond politics you use other people's sense of right and wrong against them in order to gain power and i see what you're doing most people i think see what you're doing um so senator chaudhary's idea here is an amendment uh that would give the governor one third of the appointments on the the board of governors that's the way he wants to depoliticize the Board of Governors is to give the governor more appointments <laughs> to the Board of Governors. <laughs> right. So a politician, he wants the way to depoliticize it is to give a politician more appointments on 
the board instead of just the General Assembly. He wants to require board members. See, again, all of this was fine when Democrats thought that they ruled the roost and they would be in charge of all of the um, the board of governors and all the universities, the boards of trustees, all of that. Like they were in charge of it all. They didn't see any problem. Now, now you have people with a different opinion up there. And oh, my God, this will not stand. You not see who this is. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones. Now, there is also an argument here about because um, he mentions it for the Board of Governors that we need to have, you know, a, a Board of Governors that reflects the the camp that makeup of the, the student population by race is what he's talking about. Right. This is the this is the purpose. And Nicole Hannah Jones said something very similar about how. And so did, the, by the way, the protesters and the, the student body president, they want the people running the school to look like the student population. And this is what I mean when I talk about race essentialism, right? Their argument here is not that it's just a bunch of white guys, right? Their argument has been that it's political, that this is the Republicans in charge and that's what's wrong. These conservatives are the ones that did this to her, right? And so we need Democrats in there. That's what they're saying. But we want to do it with, you know, under the skies of diversity, because I would submit that if you put uh, you know, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson on the board of trustees, they probably would not be too cool with that idea. Right. But this is race essentialism. They're saying the only thing that matters is your race. I don't believe it, by the way. I think that this is what they say in order to gain power. What they really mean is Democrats. But uh, I'm taking them at their word that they want a they want a board of governors to reflect the racial composition of the student population. There was also this accusation that there aren't enough black tenured faculty, as if white people are keeping black people from getting tenured positions, which, I mean, like, honestly, this is kind of ridiculous at this point. Do you understand, like, how valuable somebody is that is black and accomplished in their field and can be offered tenure at a university? Like a lot of people don't realize you can write your own ticket. And if you doubt me, look at Nicole Hannah Jones. She just did. So who actually has the power here? Right. Because that's what we're told. Racism like whites can't be racist because they have the power. This is their argument. Well, if you're looking at the power dynamic here, who actually had the power to get what they demanded? She did. And the students did. Unfortunately, she then wanted to use the vengeance play and say, screw you, I'm not going to take the job there. And look, I understand like they she feels like they jerked her around, like eliminate the race and the politics out of it. She feels like they jerked her around. And I get that. I totally get that. And if she had just said that, then and she did mention it, by the way, in her 4000 word statement after the fact, which I read all of it. I actually highlighted some of it, but she actually talked about. In this 4,000 word statement, she mentioned how, you know, uh, she had got an apartment and she had like started organizing all of her life around taking on this new position. And then it didn't happen. And that's going to tick some people off. Absolutely. And I've had it happen to me. So I, I totally identify with her on that. I also thought this was interesting and I'll circle back Jen Psaki style. I will circle back to this at a, at a later date with another podcast, but um, there is this promotion of an idea that Joe Killian at NC policy watch uh, did. That was um, that because she's a black woman, she's had to work harder than everybody else. 
uh, in the newsrooms. And he says he can attest to this. He knows this to be true, which I think is an indictment on every single newsroom that he's ever worked in. Okay, well, here, why don't I just get to it right now? Uh, Here he is. He says in a series of tweets, he says, um, as a black woman, she had to work longer and harder than I did to get ahead in newsrooms. How would you know that? How, did you did you shadow her for her entire career? How, how would you know that? Why? Well, he knows that knows that because of her race. This is what I mean: race essentialism. All that he needs to know is her race, and then he projects upon her all of these ideas and beliefs about the experience that she must have had. Now he did interview her, and she told him about how she struggled. In, you know, to make ends meet, she had to sell mattresses on the side while she was getting started. Hey, you know what? I had to wait tables. Does that does that matter? See, like, does that even matter? Well, no, Pete, it doesn't. You can't compare your experience and all, you know, you working for $12,000 a year, 80-hour work weeks. You can't, you can't compare that because you're white. See what I mean? This is what race essentialism does. It says all of the similarities that you guys may have had in your careers, right, all of the paying dues portion of your career, like, it is, it is tougher, it is harder, it is worse and everything than anybody else simply based on race. And I'm just kind of curious how one knows such a thing to be able to convey it to an audience as if it is fact, because it kind of seems a little racist. It does. It kind of seems a little racisty, you know, that you're going to make certain assumptions about somebody based on their race, that they somehow had to work harder or not work as hard just based on race. Uh, she's, uh, he goes on to say, with more grit and talent, she's earned much more success, but we both worked our way up from working class roots. And he's comparing her to the big mega donor, uh, Hussman, and uh, suggesting there that uh, you know he doesn't, he, he doesn't know what that must have been like. And, and that's probably true. I don't know, but maybe that's true. But he also says, As a veteran of newspaper newsrooms, I assure you, black women still have to work twice as hard for half as much success. He has worked at the News and Record, so I think somebody needs to go and talk to the News and Record of Greensboro and find out what the heck kind of newsroom are you guys running over there? Are you racists? What's going on? That's a wrap for the episode. Thanks for listening. Remember, subscribe. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.